Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I greatly appreciate you for listening into another episode, and I'm really excited about this episode, not only just to talk to you guys about the news that has occurred in the shooting industry since we last left off, but also just a recap of SHOT Show, tell you all the cool stuff I've seen, uh, the cool people I've met, uh, and just my experience of it and everything. Uh, so I'm very excited to share that experience with you guys and gals. Uh, I'm very uh, just excited for the future. Like I said, 20, you know, SHOT Show was, was great. I am excited for what 2022 holds, uh, and we'll be talking about some of that stuff. Uh, something about the podcast that I want to go ahead and mention is this is the last podcast I'm going to be doing on this particular software. Uh, I'm going to be going to a new kind of a more professional software. I'm looking forward to see what that can do to kind of step up our quality of the podcast. And with that, I, I mean, this can't be done without you guys, the listeners. So I'm really, you know, am thankful for all the listeners and the, the Patreon support that you guys give. Uh, I'm definitely, you know, indebted into you guys. And that's why I want to try and put out the best quality uh, content that I can. And also, you know, with this new software, it's also a video editing software. So I'm hoping to be doing some more trips to the ranges. I'm hoping to be doing some more content, you know, funny, but also informative, you know, informative and stuff like that. So I'm very looking forward to that. Uh, with the last few episodes, you know, the old software that I had, it was free, um, but there's was some updates and the updates to me, just it made it very lacking in the audio quality and especially the editing of the, the podcast itself. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I step up that game. Uh, and I, you know, now paying for software to edit the podcast. So, like I said, you know, all the support that you guys gives us, it was, you know, it's greatly supported. It goes directly into this podcast. I promise you, I'm not just pocketing this money. I'm, I'm using this stuff for, uh, you know, the benefit of the content to give the best content out there that I can. So I'm very looking forward to see what 2022 will bring in that regard. So with that, let's go ahead and get the house rules out of the order. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out our social media. We are everywhere at 2A Lifestyle, uh, except for on Inst you know it's the number 2A Lifestyle, except for Instagram. Two is spelled out T W O A Lifestyle. Uh, we are also on you know uh, like we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, MeWe, Twitter. Uh, you know, I think parlor is still a thing. I'm seeing, you know, bits and pieces of, of it being talked about. We're on discord. Uh, we're on everything. So if you guys want to follow us and, and honestly, I'm very quick to respond to messages, but, uh, you know, some, you know, somebody just got, you know, added on to discord and, and, you know, very responsive back and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, check us out on all the social medias. Also check out our Patreon. Like I said, anything you guys give us in Patreon, it goes directly into this podcast and with Patreon. Patreon. Uh, starting next week, we are going to be doing our Patreon only episodes. We're going to release about five to ten minutes of the episode uh, to show kind of like what you guys would be getting uh, if you are not in Patreon currently, and uh, you know, give a little bit something extra to those that do support us to help out put out better content. Uh, also, go ahead and check out our, you know, well, I'm sorry, not check it out. If you're listening to this, hit the subscribe button. It's the best way to keep up with new content as it's released. And also, if you can, leave us a review. It is super easy to do on Spotify. You literally just hit the stars. So, leave us five stars. It's the best way for people to find us. And on iTunes, 
iTunes, which is still the Cadillac of uh, you know podcast platforms out there. That's what people look at. Uh, if you can, leave us a review uh, and also write something in there. Let us know what you like about the podcast. And what we're doing still is if you leave us a review, you shoot us a message saying that you left us a review. Uh, once it hits, you know we'll get your information and we'll send out some stuff. Uh, we got you know a lot of you know cool little stickers and shit like that, even some hats and stuff uh, from Shot Show from some great companies. So uh, you know for those that did it towards the end of last year, I was kind of holding off just because of the holidays. Uh, there was some shit that I got mailed that didn't end up coming in, so I wanted to make sure that the holiday mess was over. And then I was kind of holding off until after uh, Shot Show, just because of the fact that I knew I was gonna be getting some cool kind of swag shit. So you guys that left us reviews late last year. You're going to be getting some good shit coming, so be looking forward that into the mail. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and start getting into the show. So how we're going to be doing this podcast, since it is a SHOT Show recap, but also a, you know, we want to put out the news that has occurred out there in the gun industry, you know, the gun community, gun industry, whatever it may be. Uh, so we're going to do some news, uh, kind of like our last one. We're going to do like a wrap up of the main news segment and the, uh, you know, the gun gear news and reviews segment. We're going to kind of mesh it into one just because they kind of correlate with each other. Uh, and then we're going to be doing our gun culture segment. So uh, we're going to be getting into the news stories first. And the news story, obviously, first that we try and cover any time uh, there is something in the shooting sports, we're going to talk about it. And the first story comes to us from Amaland, and it's Julie Golob. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce that, for, uh, that last name. Uh, receives Woman of the Gun NSSF Award. Now, Julie Golob uh, is a, uh, you know, she is a veteran hunter, uh, and she's also a very decorated handgun shooting champion uh, stated the NSSF president and CEO uh, she has been for more than a decade been a valuable partner uh, for Project Child Safe which is if you don't know what that is that is just a program that is in the NS you know within the gun community to attempt to try and keep you know children safe from firearms you know we don't need that kind of you know bad press that bad headlines to where you know, a kid gets a hold of a gun, uh, you know, doesn't know the, the firearms rule safeties and, and, you know, or anything. And I hate to throw this out, but this is the thing I can think of. It's Eddie the Eagle. You know, Eddie the Eagle uh, was a great training program put on by the NRA, basically stating that, you know, if a, if a kid sees a gun, uh, you're supposed to basically stop everything you're doing and go tell an adult, that kind of thing. So, we you know, Project Child Safe is one of those great things. We don't need that kind of negativity in the gun, you know, community because that's just more ammunition for the gun grabbers to use uh, to try and take away our rights. So they do great works. She won, uh, you know, Woman of the Gun of the Year. Uh, so good, good job on that. Project Child Safe is a great organization. If you haven't, go ahead and check it out. The first, uh, the other news article we're talking about actually comes to us from the New York Times, uh, but I thought it was interesting. What they say is 30% of gun purchases in 2021 were first-time buyers, CT organization says, uh, which is the CT is, you know, the, uh, you know, part of the NSSF, which we just talked about and also put on SHOT Show. 
So there's an estimated 5.4 million people to have bought a gun for the first time in 2021, uh, which represents a 10% decrease in first-time purchases compared to 2020, which 2020 was just an astronomical year for gun sellers. Uh, you know, a, a great portion of those people in 2020 were first-time gun buyers, but you also have to look at course, you know, what was going on in 2020. We had, you know, the civil unrest. We had uh, COVID, you know, a lot of uncertainty. So a lot of people were going out buying guns for the first time, and a lot of people that had already purchased guns that maybe that they just purchased, uh, you know, a shotgun or a handgun. Maybe they decided to go purchase uh, a handgun if they didn't already have one or maybe a modern sporting rifle, things like that. So that's the kind of thing that a lot of people – uh, are doing and of course 2021 continued to see that trend which 30% is still an astronomical number of first time gun buyers we've said this before on this podcast we're going to say it again if you know anybody that purchased a gun for the first time or somebody that is talking about purchasing their first you know firearm if if you are a firearm you know enthusiast like I am please 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 go talk to them you know kind of hold their hand through that process just because you don't want them to get a negative you know stigma of the gun industry from you know a, a you know a piece of shit from the gun store that maybe is is tired of hearing the same question you know 50,000 times already you know that kind of bullshit uh or you don't want you know somebody that's sitting at the gun store you know we typically think of as like maybe the FUD or something where they try and you know steer them away from a reliable farm and maybe they try and, and get them to like you know you know the old stigma of trying to push women to only purchase uh revolvers or you know, you know, bullshit like that. You want to try and make sure that their gun experiences are as awesome and memorable as possible. Uh, and I'm telling you, I know a lot of people don't think this way. Uh, and I think this may be, you know, say for example, there was 5.1 million purchasers of new firearms last year. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, kid myself and to think that every one of those people is going to be now hardened supporters of the Second Amendment. I believe that a good portion of them will because, you know, you see a lot of people that were, you know, just completely anti-Second Amendment that are going out and purchasing firearms now. Well, now you have these people that might have been that way and are, are they're glad that they didn't. Uh, you know, have their their Second Amendment, you know, gun grabbing uh, politicians, you know, the anti Second Amendment politicians that they've always voted for. Glad maybe they didn't, you know, uh, pass whatever gun control legislation. Sorry, I'm like just for some stupid reason I was fucking moving my feet and and now my fucking chair's moving everywhere. Let me move this. I'm sorry if you hear a little something. I'm moving my mic, but uh, anyway, uh, so you know, we want these people to be Second Amendment enthusiasts and Second Amendment supporters now. We don't want them to be like, well, I got my gun. I know I'm uh, you know, a law-abiding citizen, but I don't know about everybody else. Maybe I should try and and, you know, agree with some sort of gun control bullshit, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't want that. We want to make sure that these people uh, become Second Amendment supporters and having positive experiences is the best way to do that. So I thought that was interesting. Again, just kind of wanted to to throw it out there so that way we can make sure that that kind of stuff, you know, is is not a problem in the Second Amendment community. We want to make sure that uh, you know people that these first time gun buyers uh, become the next wave of Second Amendment supporters so that way we can effectively kill 
gun control at the voting base. So, next article comes to us from Lancaster Online, uh, and its title is ATF Agents Seize Guns from Lee Cock Township Property, Amish Farmer Admits Sales. So, this was just a kind of odd, interesting, weird story. I uh, just want to throw it out there, but basically, agents from the ATF uh, seized guns from the property of uh, a Leacock Township. Uh, it's, you know, seriously, it showed a picture of the property. It looks like what you would think an Amish farm would look like. Uh, and basically, you know, no criminal charges have been filed so far, so that, that's a little fucked in my opinion. Uh, but basically, they stayed, uh, stated that uh, they went and did a search warrant on that property uh, and took guns that were part of his personal collection uh, that the foundry had nothing to do with, you know, in reference to these gun sales. So they not only took guns that they believed were being sold, you know, I guess outside of an FFL, they also ended up seizing his own personal guns. Uh, but the guy said, you know, this is my business. I'm, I'm a dairy farmer. Uh, but... You know, I wasn't dealing in handguns, positively not, he says, but obviously the ATF does. But I just think it's kind of fucked that they go in there, you know, and it took, you know, it took 15 fucking agents to serve this search warrant on this Amish dairy farm, and they spent five hours there, you know. Uh, that's, that's, I don't know, man, that's just kind of crazy. Uh, we've seen definitely um, overzealousness from federal agencies before. Uh, fucking Waco's is a great fucking example of that. Um, but, you know, I just think that's definitely something peculiar that we probably, sh honestly, we probably should keep an eye out just because I can see that being, you know, some sort of precedent in the future. I really can. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to be that precedent. Uh, you know, you don't want this to continue on to be the same kind of practice that the ATF does and it ends up occurring at your, you know, your home, you know, where you have your own personal firearms, that kind of stuff. Next article comes to us from Amelan. Uh, it is titled leaked email shows further ATF crackdowns on forced reset triggers. Now, in a previous episode, it was the last one, I believe, uh, we talked about how the ATF, uh, you know, did a raid at Rare Breed Triggers and also at uh, Big Daddy Unlimited uh, in regards to their forced reset triggers. And now the ATF, there's a leaked memo, says that they're going to be cracking down on these forced reset triggers, even though they have not ruled uh, that this is a, you know, considered a machine gun. They are stating that they're requesting businesses to voluntarily turn over uh, these forced reset triggers to field agents. And if the stores uh, do turn over, or I'm sorry, if they, it says they do turn over, uh, okay, yeah, so if they do turn over, then the ATF will provide a consent of forfeiture uh, of property and waiver notice. But uh, if the business refuses, this is where it gets interesting. If the business refuses to turn over the trigger, the triggers, the bureau and ATF agents are instructed to seize the items from the companies for forfeiture. Uh, this choice gives the companies more legal standing to sue over confiscation, but the ATF can threaten to file criminal charges against a company. Uh, because the company owner for violating the the NFA, uh, so I mean the the ATF is really cracking down on this stuff. Uh, you know, it's just more make up at you know make up the rules as we go. It, it is crazy. 
Um, you know, th this is crazy shit. Uh, so anyway, MLN is actually reporting that says that they did not go to rare breed offices. Now I will say rare breed, uh, they have done something very smart in regards to this. Uh, they have, you know, created a, a separate business, separate offices. I actually think their offices are actually their attorney's offices for this particular trigger. Uh, so that way they can kind of separate themselves. So that way they could easily, more easily conduct business if this was to happen uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, it's just a bunch of bullshit, and like I said, it's making up the rules as you go, and we've seen this with bump stocks, we've seen this, uh, you know, just time and time again, and I guarantee you, this is something we're going to talk about later, uh, you know, but Franklin Armory has come out with binary triggers uh, for Glock pistols. And, you know, that motherfucker, it looks like you would have, like, you know, a, like a normal Glock Autoseer uh, switch, you know, on the back of a Glock almost. And I guarantee you that is something that is going to happen. Uh, there's several articles in regarding this particular story. The next one also is from Analand, but it's in regard to an FPC statement on possible ETF actions regarding forced reset triggers. The, if, the, the FPC is the fucking shit in regards to to legal uh, strategy against gun control. Uh, of course, they're saying never talk with any law enforcement unless advised to do so by a lawyer. You know, and this is for people that already bought them because there are people that are out there. Uh, and through some of the, the the chatter I've heard is that they've gotten the customer list. And you know, this is something that's fucking wild. Is that you know they don't even have to to go to the businesses, you know, they can work with the postal inspectors, uh, or whoever, uh, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm sure, you know, the, the, you know, if they don't use the United States postal service, they probably still use like maybe UPS or FedEx or something like that, but they can see who they shipped, you know, packages to through that. So it's, it's a lot of fuckness towards it, a whole lot of fuckery. Um, you know, obviously the, the FPC is saying do not speak to anyone, including family members. Uh, do not open doors unless the officers have a warrant. Uh, do not leave your home or property or go outside. They'll likely detain you and prevent you from reentry until they're done and leave. And do not consent to any search. Uh, it says step two, if, if you choose or are forced to provide property to the ATF, you can have legal counsel present and engage with the federal agents on the ATF on your behalf. Do not volunteer any information or speak with any agent other than to advise them that your property is being provided to them under protest. Do not, or it says, do attempt to photograph items being surrendered under protest to document the condition of the items at the time of surrender. Do ensure you receive a completed property receipt on ATF form 3400.23. Uh, do after signing request a copy and or photograph the signed copy for your records uh, only that that form and it says do not but it says do not sign form 3400.0 which is the consent to forfeiture or destruction uh, it says should you sign this you voluntarily surrender and relinquish all rights title and interest in all claims to the property listed on the form said do separately document your experience on the encounter in writing and obviously please contact the FPC if any of these above happen uh, if you would like to you know it says at the very bottom as well if you would like FPC law to consider your issue for potential legal action call FPC to a hotline at one eight five five two five two 
4510. I will say again, 855-252-4510 or visit to a hotline.com. Now that's good stuff. Like I said, you know, I definitely think the FPC is doing the Lord's work out there, uh, especially when it comes to litigation uh, against these gun, you know, gun control, unconstitutional gun control laws. Uh, this next story, uh, again, we're going to have some different sources. The first store, uh, first source we're going to be talking about is from ABC News, and it says California City approves first U.S. insurance law for gun owners. If you aren't familiar with what this is, last week, San Jose, California, voted uh, to require gun owners to carry liability insurance in what is believed to be the first measure of its kind in the United States. I don't think this is the first. I believe that there were several cities. I don't know if they actually passed it, but I know several cities attempted to do this. Uh, but they also have to to buy a permit from the city, uh, which is, I think it was, I heard that it was $25. So you have to purchase liability insurance, which is basically... Uh, you know, we had the episode previously on uh, self-defense insurance, but that's the, that's the kind of thing that you have to have. Um, and also pay a permit to the city, which was $25. Uh, having liability insurance would encourage, uh, you know, the 55,000 households in San Jose. You know, and of course, this is ABC News. This is, they're very fucking slanted towards it. Uh, it says who legally own at least one registered firearm to have gun safes, install triggers, and take gun safety classes. Bunch of horse shit. Uh, you know, a right uh, delayed is a right denied, my friends. And we have seen time and time again uh, that if you impose some sort of tax on a right you know greatest example voting you know the ie if you remember in school the old poll taxes uh that was highly unconstitutional and this and we'll start getting into it i believe we have uh, some stories about it but i know the fpc has already immediately issued uh a, you know a lawsuit in regards to this and of course Unfortunately, it is going to be going before the Ninth Circuit. Uh, we're going to be seeing probably, you know, maybe like a, a one or three judge panel, maybe, you know, uh, deny it, but then it's going to get, you know, approved to a full judge panel uh, before the whole Ninth Circuit. Who knows how that'll go? Uh, I, you know, and eventually it's probably going to end up going to the Supreme Court because uh, I guarantee you, always with the full judge panel at the Ninth Circuit, uh, they're probably going to say it was constitutional. So, what is going on? Uh, San, Jose, Zan, fuck, San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo argued in his op-ed that proposals include two requirements uh, that no city or state in the U.S. has ever implemented. Uh, the purchase of liability insurance, the payment. And, and I'm sorry, let me repeat this. So, that $25 fee isn't just a one-time fee. That is an annual fee. Uh, and, of course, they're going to fund violence reduction initiatives. Basically, what that means uh, is they're going to, you know, put it to, towards some stupid fucking social progressive program. Uh, and also, uh, they it says that it will not be received, uh, you know, to any anti-gun stuff. But we'll see. I, I guarantee you uh, that shit is going to, you know, maybe... You know, an anti-gun organization might have a, you know, reducing violent crime kind of fucking subsection to it. And I guarantee you they'll still probably get the money. Uh, so, you know, it is 
it's just crazy fucking times to think that this is they think this is okay here it is okay so this is from bloomberg uh and the gun rights group uh i believe it was yeah the national association for gun rights i'm sorry not the fpc and i will say the national association for gun rights is another great organization uh you know we've mentioned before like you know second amendment foundation fpc fpf uh i saw the national gun rights uh, national association for gun rights at the shot show great folks man uh, doing really great work. They actually are, are one of the biggest fighters for constitutional carry out there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what they're going to do with this uh, and, you know, going through the litigation to block this in court. So I want to make sure they get their, their due. Uh, and I'm telling you, man, this is, this is just bullshit. And, and, you know, California is just a fucking cesspool. And the fact that San Jose is doing this uh, it just goes to show that they're mindset is on inhibiting the lawful activity of lawful gun owners versus anything else. And and going on into this next story, it's a perfect example. This is from Amelin. Its title is Stolen Guns from LA Train Make Mockery of Common Sense Laws. It's true. So this is a tweet uh, by Union Pacific. So if you aren't familiar, Union Pacific is one of the largest railroad companies out there. Uh, and it's showing, and there's been news, uh, you know, various news reports on this. And it, it looks ridiculous. Um, uh, the one particular one I saw, I mean, it looked like a fucking tornado had just gone through uh, that rail yard. And they said that they just, you know, just cleaned it up like three weeks, three to four weeks earlier. And it was completely cleaned, uh, you know, especially in L.A. L.A. is one of the biggest um, seaports, you know, in the war in transportation hubs in the country. And uh, what's going on there is that while these trains are sitting, while either being loaded or, or you know, waiting to go to their destinations and, and shit like that, uh, these fucking criminals are just busting in the fucking train cars and they're stealing whatever they can. Well, they're stealing, they're starting to steal firearms. And, you know, that just goes to show that if they truly, you know, want these guns off the streets, they would be, you know, cracking down on the criminals there doing this but they they're not they don't care because that bullshit felony rule that's going on in california now if it's under 950 dollars you don't even get arrested uh and and it's just it's fucking horseshit man it's just the idea of these polit you know what what the fuck is going on through these politicians heads it boggles my mind it just is absolute insanity uh anyway the lapd deputy chief al labrada who commands the central bureau which includes the lincoln heights railroad tracks area uh said the department has recovered numerous guns from people who said the weapons were taken from box cars in the area the report adds uh that they mean to have only recovered like you know the tip of the iceberg and unknown quantities of guns have been added to the criminal underworld's black market and yet they want to make it harder or impossible for law-abiding citizens to have their firearms. And they don't even give them the legal authority to carry their firearms with them to protect themselves when they leave their home. That's the, that's the mentality of these you know, anti-Second Amendment gun-grabbing politicians. It's just absolute... Like I said, I, I just their thought process you know it's like that and i don't know if you might be able to hear it i'm 
here home uh, with one of the kids uh, because they're they're sick, might not possibly have COVID. Uh, my son had it two weeks ago. My mother had it last week, and now probably one of my kids has got it this week. Another one of my kids, I should say. Um, but you know, it reminds me of the anyway. The reason I was saying that is because there's South Park playing on the background. Uh, he's listening, watching it. But um, you know, it reminds me of that fucking uh, South Park episode where everybody was driving Priuses and they just farted in fucking wine glasses and sniffed it in front of their face because their shit don't stink. You know, their shit smells like roses. Uh, that's that's kind of what I think of whenever I think the thought process for these people. Uh, what exactly is going on? This next article comes from the New York Post. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse heads to court to get gun used in shootings. Now, uh, you know, Rittenhouse was a great example of self-defense in this country. But, you know, a lot of people are using, you know, putting Rittenhouse on this pedestal uh, for, you know, whatever reason. I'm not sure. Just because of the fact that, that he did what we all say we would do and defend ourselves. I, I don't fucking know. Uh, I'm just glad that, you know, he was prosecuted uh, for political gain. And fortunately, uh, you know, the law worked out and because of his um, notoriety of the case that's the reason I think why he was found not guilty uh, if he just was you know if this would just have been something that that not even you know fucking hit the news uh, but he was still tried uh, because of the political climate of the time uh, I guarantee you he probably would have been found guilty just because to make people feel uh, better for themselves and what they're doing. Uh, that's, that's truly how I feel. But I, I want to say, and I don't see it in this particular article, but I believe I read somewhere that uh, Rittenhouse stated that he was planning on destroying the firearm that he had uh, used for his self-defense case. And now, I don't know if this is like, you know, possibly a... Um, a thing where this is what the judge st- you know stated he had to do to get the the gun back. I'm not sure if that's something uh, that's that's what happened, but anyway, uh, that's just what I think is kind of weird. Anyway, uh, in regards to that, when I was talking about earlier, it's going starting on to the next uh, episode. I was going to have, and I, I am still hoping to have uh, this individual on for an interview just because uh, what's going on in Alabama is is a big thing and and uh, but unfortunately he is uh, he had some family health issues and and uh, he wanted to spend the, the last little bit of time he had with this family member uh, you know before the, they passed but uh, constitutional carry in Alabama is, is a big thing um, Bama Carry is our state organization here. I know we have some listeners in, in Alabama. If you listen to this and you're in Alabama, if you're not a member of Bama Carry, I hope you go do so. Uh, They're a great Second Amendment organization for the state, and they do a lot of great work. They're doing a lot of good work this legislative season to make sure constitutional carry gets through. And there's been some horse shit uh, through the Alabama Sheriff's Association, uh, Timmons, I can't remember the guy's first name, um, but he is the head of the Alabama Sheriff's Association, and he frankly is a giant kind of piece of shit. Um, in my eyes, in my opinion, he, he is a piece of shit. Uh, he's part of that good old boy system, and he has said some statements that are just fucking outlandish. You, and this is why I say it doesn't matter if you live in a bastion of conservatism. You always have to make sure that your rights are 
are protected and guaranteed through your activism and your constant, uh, you know, your, your, your constant, I can't even think of the word, but, you know, constantly being on guard for horseshit that can come your way. Uh, this gentleman who is the head of the Alabama Sheriff's Association, again, you would think Alabama, very conservative state, very, you know, sheriffs, you know, sheriffs are elected here in Alabama. So you have to be a politician to run as a sheriff. So, uh, you know, for the most part, again, you know, there's 67 counties in Alabama, you know, damn near most of the counties are uh, Republican vote Republican every election that come up. Now, there are some few more populous counties uh, that are, you know, Democrat, but for the most part, they're Republican. So, again, you have to be a, uh, you know, a politician to get elected. They, this guy, the head of the Alabama Sheriff's Association, who represents all the sheriffs in Alabama, has said that he would love to see the Second Amendment be rewritten to make it uh, more restricting for citizens to walk outside their homes with firearms. Uh, the Alabama Sheriff's Association is working with Moms Demand Action, that fucking radical group of gun grabbers, to make sure constitutional carry doesn't pass. Now we have said it before in this podcast that you know the constitutional, per, uh, you know the the carry permits in Alabama is really just a money making scheme, and, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. Most of the sheriffs just pocket that money because it's the you know money that the sheriffs can do whatever they want with it. They can keep it and just consider that their their bonus, or they can reinvest that money into their sheriff's offices, uh, buying vehicles, equipment, uniforms, things like that. So it's just a big money making scheme for sheriff's office. So this next article is from Amelan. It's talking about constitutional carry. The time is now. Governor DeSantis, make it happen. Uh, and that's another reason why I want to have the president from Bama Carry on because uh, Bama Carry is doing a great job in regards to making sure that the constitutional carry is passed in Alabama. It's not a very large organization. Uh, it's not. You know, it doesn't have all the money that you would think uh, that a, a gun rights organization should have. You know, um, it's not as well known as like the NRA or the FPC or any of that other kind of stuff. But they're doing a lot of great grassroots work uh, in Alabama, and that's why I'm trying to get you know someone from Bama carry on. Um, might be a Patreon episode on this one. I'll probably make it a full fledged episode because I want that grassroots work to happen where you are so you can get constitutional carry or maybe more friendly gun legislation if you live in a less free state uh, past that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff. Uh, Indiana, you know, Indiana is another, you know, fairly conservative state. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, blue dog Democrats is what we call them, which are, you know, conservative Democrats, a lot of Republicans there. Uh, constitutional carry stalls out in the Senate. Uh, that, you know, this is the kind of stuff we have to make sure that we are adamant towards our legislatures about. We need to make sure that we are stay always vigilant in regards to this. Next article comes to us from Amelin as well. Biden administration finalizes new firearm storage rule. Uh, now, this is 
mainly for FFLs. Uh, I am still getting I'm still getting my FFL. I know I haven't had an update in a while, but um, got my LLC, got my business licenses. Then the holidays hit. Then Shot Show is coming up. Uh, I wanted to make sure that you know uh, you know when I sent the money off that you know I you know didn't let it get below two hundred dollars because I want to make sure that it was good. But then also I didn't want to be left with five dollars. Um, that kind of stuff. You know I want to make sure you know well money managed and stuff. Uh, that is still in the process now that Shot Show is over. I'm going to be sending that off here probably this week or next week. Uh, I'll let you know, like I said, in the future what happens. But then also the shitty thing is, uh, is that, you know, looking at building a new house. Uh, so, you know, we're going to see the, we're going to get some land, uh, at least five acres, maybe a little bit more. So at least that way I can, you know, have like a little pistol bay in, in one section of the acreage, uh, and, uh, you know, shoot some firearms, you know, and also in an area to where, uh, it's not going to go against any kind of municipal ordinances or anything like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to make sure that when I do my FFL, you know, if I do it here for my current residence and I want to have to then go around in six months and then have to reapply to, to get my address changed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, so the Biden administration's Department of Defense announced that it would be finalizing a new rule on firearm storage for FFLs. Basically, the new storage rule, which is uh, first proposed, it was actually first proposed by the Obama administration in 2016, uh, makes four substantial changes. The first one, uh, mandate, man, uh, updates, I'm sorry, the regulatory definitions of rifle, shotgun, and antique firearm to match storage statutory changes that took effect in 1998. Uh, not a huge deal. The second one redefines the secure gun storage or safety device, which generally tracks the existing statutory definition. Uh, third, the rule adopts ATF existing practice of requiring firearms dealer, dealers to certify that secure gun storage or safety devices are available at any location where firearms are sold to non-licensees. Basically, those little locks that you always get or whatever the fuck uh, when you purchase a firearm. And fourth, the rule extends the certification requirement to manufacturers and supporters. So it's not a huge thing, but it, of course, it's just more regulatory bullshit that FFLs have to go through. Uh, here's the next thing. Uh, and this has happened uh, since the last uh, podcast, but if you are familiar with the news at all, and, and again, even if you don't watch the news like I do, fuck, I still got, you know, saw shit uh, scrolling through social media uh, talking about it, but the Colleyville Synagogue terrorist. And he is a terrorist. I will say this. This is not some fucker that has mental health issues. Uh, but anyway, he got his gun illegally, I will say. Sorry, I had to uh, take a little sip of my unsweet tea there. But anyway, uh, so anyway, this guy got his gun illegally. Now, this is something uh, that I've listened to other podcast about and they've had experts on and, and stuff like that and I'm not just talking about like experts like you'd see on fucking you know Fox News or CNN or whatever these guys are the fucking real, the real deal anti-terror experts that worked uh, high level during the global war on terror uh, but you know this guy came from England you know under false pretenses uh, came to America uh, was already radicalized in England and you know this guy was part of like a small terrorist cell because England has since arrested two other you know extremists that were involved in his plot and you know he 
went down to Texas and took a synagogue hostage. And what's crazy is, you know, when this started, it's not like they called 911 right away. This synagogue uh, was live streaming their services and people were watching the live stream and they saw this guy you know, get up and start holding people hostage. And, you know, the the parishioners at the synagogue, they said that, you know, they saw him beforehand. They were talking. Uh, he seemed very polite, that kind of stuff. And what's crazy is, you know, the, the people in the synagogue were, were acting all super nice to him. And this guy uh, had stopped at, you know, some, some mosque earlier, and he got kicked out of two, I think, two mosques. Uh, because he was trying to, you know, sleep there. You know, what about alms to the poor and all that bullshit? Anyway, I thought that was very ironical. Um, but he got his gun illegally, and the the gentleman he got it from is is probably uh, going to get charged. Uh, but I mean, he was already a prohibited person uh, because he was, uh, you know, a British citizen, which prohibited him from owning a firearm to the United States. Uh, and then also, uh, he purchased it from a convicted felon. Go fucking figure. Uh, the convicted felon was Henry Michael Williams. So, and he has already been arrested. So, uh, you know, and it is just insane to me the fucking biasness from the the mainstream media in regards to this. Uh, automatically, they made it a mental health issue when clearly this guy was a terrorist. Uh, but they they don't care about that because it doesn't fit their narrative. It started all of a sudden becoming about mental health and not the firearm because, again, he broke the law. He broke the law in obtaining the firearm. Uh, they don't care about that. They care about their narratives. Something else kind of big I wanted to talk about, uh, and this is something that we've kind of talked about previously, uh, and... The, you know, when I, I say I used to do some work for the NRA, uh, you know, I did, did some work... Uh, Really, what I really did on the big side of it was um, the uh, the NRA. Oh fuck, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Um, the NRA Foundation. So, you know, th there's really kind of like three NRAs: the NRA ILA, the big NRA, and the NRA Foundation. Now, the NRA Foundation is what really we see a lot of the good work of the NRA do. Uh, it is the 501c3, which is a tax-deductible organization where if you donate money to them, you can take it off your taxes. And these are the people that really put out, uh, you know, the farms education, the farms safety, the farms scholarships for ranges and for youth shooting sports, really youth shooting sports. That's, again, shooting sports is a huge passion of mine. Uh, our NRA foundation that I worked with really helped out the, the youth shooting sports. Um, but this new lawsuit that is coming from the District of Columbia uh, was filed against the NRA Foundation. And basically what's going on, and this is kind of the reason why I stopped in 2019 working with the NRA, uh, is because I was, you know, coming under the impression uh, and just the, just not knowledge, but just the, uh, just the, the common thinking that, all right, so we're raising this money. And this money is going to the big NRA because, and that's when really you started seeing all, you know, I'm like, what, what is all this going on? And, you know, you kind of thinking, well, you know, maybe it's for this or that. But then you started seeing all the news come out in 2019 of Wayne LaPierre and just the absolute fucking misuse of funds from the big NRA. Uh, so 
this new lawsuit is basically what it's saying is that if found that the NRA Foundation gave the big NRA money, which is a totally different organization, and this is something that this 501c3 cannot do, uh, the 501c, uh, 501c4, which is what the regular big NRA is, which it's a, a uh, non-for-profit organization that is not tax deductible. So you could donate to the NRA, but you just can't write it off your taxes. Um, it, that they donated the money there uh, because of the financial misuse of funds from the NRA and the NRA board, uh, then the NRA, big NRA, has to pay the NRA Foundation back that money. And they have lent themselves so much money that that would really uh, bankrupt the NRA. The DC suit claims that in the ex this is in the excess of $400 million has been diverted from the NRA Foundation to the big NRA in recent years. That is just fucking bonkers. Now, this is something, you know, that I'm telling you, they're, they're going for the one-two punch on the NRA. And, I, you know, I almost... Like I said before, I hope that it, the NRA continues just because uh, it's distraction of the groups that are actually doing the good work out there, like the National Association for Gun Rights, the FPC, that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, this this is what really is going to do the NRA in, and I'm curious to see what's going to happen in regards to it. Well, that is going to be the end of our news segment. Let's go ahead and start talking about SHOT Show, and then we'll talk about some of the releases that happened while at SHOT Show and some of the things that I saw that were really interesting. So, uh, you know, as I've said before, this was my first SHOT Show. Uh, it was extremely, you know, it, it was way bigger than I ever could imagine. I, I mean, you know, just imagine how big SHOT Show is, and then at least times that by three. Uh, you know, before the, the uh, SHOT Show has been at the Venetian, uh, this it was at the Venetian, and then it also expanded some into uh, Caesar's Palace, and they had a cool little walkway across the two that you could go walk into, you know, Caesar Venetian, vice versa, whatever. Uh, and they had a cool little outdoor patio area there uh, that was pretty popping. Um, something that I will say, fucking, you're gonna spend more than what you thought. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we got there. Uh, I got there at like nine. And I stayed to like about four, four thirty, uh, and just you know, cause I was fucking, you know, the first day I ate there, and like a fucking shitty ass salad, and I'm talking about shitty with like some fucking dry ass chicken, like drier than you could fucking get at like any drive-through. Um, it was like ten bucks, and then a bottle of water was like four fifty or six fifty, I think. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, you know, you know, if you wanted like a, a, a Coke or something, you're looking at the same. Uh, I just got like a sandwich. It was like the same thing. It was like eight, $9 for like a, literally a sandwich, uh, just a fucking sandwich. And I was like, damn son, uh, that's wild, man. So like after that first day, I was like, fuck it, man. Like I'm going to bring my own water. I'm going to fucking, uh, you know, just go out to eat afterwards and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, like by the time it was all over, I was fucking starving, man. Um, and I will say, if you follow me on social media, you will see that I met uh, a living legend at my first day at SHOT Show, which really was the fucking cap for me. Uh, you know, just so happened to be, we were just wrapping up the day. Um, I was walking out, and I just happened to be walking past uh, fucking uh, the Smith & Weston booth. And uh, I tell you, man, uh, so I'm just going to say this. I went... 
uh, to SHOT Show uh, as a uh, law enforcement agency purchaser, which uh, I can purchase uh, certain equipment and stuff like that for my law enforcement agency. I didn't go under the media pass just because uh, I've been told by other people there that if you go under there under media pass that, you know, because people at SHOT Show are trying to sell shit. They're trying to, you know, make money. So, you know, they're, they're really kind of irritated by people, you know, claiming to be media because, you know, anybody and their sister can be claimed as media nowadays with YouTube and, and all this other kind of shit. And uh, so uh, I didn't go as, as media. Uh, and, and there was plenty of people there that I saw that were just like, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't going to carry like a whole fuck ton of equipment. There was like, you know, I saw the, the big ones there, like Farms, Blog Dude, uh, saw Classic Firearms, saw some other people, had like real professional looking setups. Uh, and then I saw the guy that just like had uh, like a, a phone with like a, a, a mic clip or some shit like that. And, uh, you know, there was lots of that. And so I just didn't want to kind of do that. I wanted to go under there, uh, under something else, you know, talk to the people, uh, you know, as them not thinking that, you know, whatever this guy's just, you know, wanting to, to get a sound bite or whatever the fuck it is. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't go to SHOT Show and I didn't record anything there just because it was just, you know, a lot of people there trying to, to you know, buy, you know, buy and sell. So I went there, you know, I talked to people, if it, they were cool folks and they had some cool products, I said, hey, you know, by the way, uh, you know, this is my, you know, th I also run a podcast in, in content creation, here's my card, I'd love to have you guys come on and talk about your products, I know you're going to be like real busy this week with SHOT Show, um, so if you want like maybe like a week or two after SHOT Show, after like you guys get home, get everything unpacked, I'd love for you to call me, uh, and then we'd exchange cards, uh, and then, you know, hopefully get some stuff set up um, so that that's what we're looking for uh, for shot show I saw quite a few cool people we're going to talk about them here shortly uh, and then also saw some products that were really cool uh, something else about shot show is that you know there was a lot of people talking shit about how uh, we didn't you know that a lot of people were pulling out you know sig wasn't there Springfield wasn't there um, those were the two big ones there was a couple of smaller booths that you know were like you know and I've seen this at like gun shows and trade shows and stuff when I worked with the NRA like you saw uh, like a little banner that says who was supposed to be there like this was like your booth uh, and they weren't there but there weren't that mean you know everyone else except for obviously like you know I said SIG Springfield um, the names that I saw that weren't there wasn't really anybody that I knew, so it probably wasn't something big. And a lot of them were just like small, singular booths. Uh, you know, at Shot Show, you're at least gonna be buying like, you know, try and, and make a splash with with your product. You try and buy like maybe two or three booths so that way you can, ex you know, display your whole product line and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so it was just probably either like small companies that you know maybe bought the the booth but then couldn't afford the the travel there or whatever it may be. I'm not sure. Don't know their story. Anyway, um, and then it was, there was some packed times, like, you know, I liked getting there, like, first thing in the morning, uh, because that, like, you know, 8.30 to 9 to all the way up to maybe about, like, 10 to 11, uh, there was, like, nobody there, because, you know, obviously, there, like, there's a fuck ton of parties there, uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company was there, uh, I know they had some parties there, and just, like, you know, a lot of people, it's fucking Vegas, man, you're gonna go out and you're gonna go party, so they're sleeping off, whatever the fuck they got going on, all that kind of bullshit, so there wasn't a whole a lot of people there in the mornings, um, you know, around like lunchtime to maybe about that two to three mark, it, it was packed. It wasn't so bad that we couldn't get through 
the the aisles but it was packed enough to where you know sometimes like you had to stop because this you know one or two people decided to stop and look at this booth and it just fucking back traffic up um it was small enough to where you know like fucking um uh magpul their fucking shit was constantly packed um daniel defense their shit was constantly packed aero precision constantly packed um Geisley was really busy, but they also had a lot of people there. And I'm going to straight up say, I, I think I've said this before, you know, like for some reason, I just ha- always have kind of like a bias against Geisley just because they're from Pennsylvania. Just because like I fucking was married to somebody from Pennsylvania and I dated somebody from Pennsylvania and they both are batshit fucking crazy. And uh, I went to Pennsylvania one time uh, for my exes to see her family up there. And absolutely fucking everybody was rude there. And I just like fucking... Finally, when we were driving away, I was like, you know what? Fuck Pennsylvania. I don't care if we run out of gas. We'll call AAA. We're not stopping till we get to Maryland. Uh, it was just fucking, you know, just... And I, I've served with people from Pennsylvania. They were a lot nicer. Uh, but I guess it's just maybe when you're in your home state, you just are fucking rude or something. I guess. I don't know. Um, sorry. Uh, fucking dogs going off. I guess there's somebody outside, mailman or some shit. Anywho. Uh, going on into the actual shot show itself, um, I saw, you know I didn't except for the Celtic P15, there wasn't really. Well, I take that back. Foxtrot Mike is coming out with a new uh, PCC carbine that looks fantastic. Foxtrot Mike, I, I love their products. Already did, uh, and then the people that were there were just absolutely fucking amazing, man. Uh, super nice people. I'm hoping to have them on. Um, but like, besides them, uh, and then I will say like Odin Works is coming out with a new uh, bolt carrier group for PCC. That is really cool. I, I was really digging it. Um, you know, besides for those things, those were like, and even that, that bulk carrier group, it wasn't like the big thing. Uh, that was like the only thing, the only two big things that I saw, uh, that were just like, wow, that was like really cool. A lot of the stuff that I saw that like kind of blew my mind out of the water was like little things. And and that's kind of what I do as well. Like when I've gone to trade shows before and stuff, um, you know, I, I don't go looking for like automatically the biggest thing that like everybody's talking about. I go looking for the little stuff and, and we're going to be talking about that. But before that we do that, let's just talk about some of the big stuff that uh, did get released and, and talk about that as well. Uh, Canic releases an SFX rival series to U.S. market. Uh, the Canic booth was really cool. The coolest thing, honestly, I think about the Canic booth, which was obviously part of the Century Arms booth. Um, they had like a, a cool little free... Um, then like a uh, claw machine, you can get yourself a T-shirt. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, anyway, so the uh, the rival has a total length of 8.1 inches uh, and a height of 5.7. Uh, it's got a five-inch barrel, overall weight of 29.5 ounces, and with these specifications, uh, it can compete in the IDPA, the ISPC, or IPCS. Goddamn. IPSC and USPSA without restrictions, which is really cool. I thought that's really cool because I'm telling you, like, that's the kind of stuff that people are going to be looking for, especially when they're getting into shooting sports. They're not going to be looking to spend, you know, over $1,000 on a CZ Shadow 2 or anything like that. They're going to be looking for this kind of stuff. Uh, and the MSRP is really good. It's got an MSRP of 680 so it's probably going to come in around 
closer to 600, maybe even a little less than 600 uh, when it comes to, you know, when it actually starts hitting the markets. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about that uh, was pretty interesting uh, is going to be a, I'm sorry, going through here. Uh, let's yeah, let's talk about Keltec. So Keltec, the P the P15. So now Keltec released this like right before, and I I've been in some chat groups, and uh you know with the Keltec it looked just kind of jicky is the best way I could you know describe it. It looked kind of jicky, but I actually went to it and I looked at it, and this thing actually is more impressive in person than it was on any kind of uh you know news article or whatever youtube channel whatever the fuck it's more along the lines of a uh, glock 48 so it is basically a glock 48 but it already comes with a 15 round magazine you know with glock 48 glock 43s uh you have to buy like a shield arms or you have to get a, a magazine extension if you want to carry 15 rounds which is bullshit uh with the keltex uh, it already comes 15 rounds. Something else. Those slide cuts, man, they're like super aggressive, man. Super fucking deep, uh, which I liked. I really liked it. And not only that, they all come optic ready, which I have said before, and I'll keep saying it again. If your new pistol that you're releasing does not have one or all three of these things, if it's not optic ready, suppressor height sights, or threaded barrel, you're wrong. Automatically. Just in today's market, it needs to have one, if not all three of those things. Preferably the first two more than the third. Uh, but something else is that it was really kind of comfortable in the hand. Uh, something in the group chats, and when we were talking about this Keltec, when I was talking with some of my buddies, is that, you know, the little, you know, something that I almost like Keltec about just because it's very unique to them is that weird little waffle pattern on all of their grips. And we thought, man, that, that waffle pattern grip looks fucking super aggressive. And it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as you'd think. It's just about, it's maybe a tiny bit more aggressive than um, like a SIG. You know, the SIG 320s, uh, you know, got some sort of kind of aggressiveness to their, their grips, but it's not too bad. Uh, there's just a slightly bit more aggressive. Uh, something else, uh, like I said, was the price point. Uh, the price point and see now here's something else. So the 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 P15 is going to come in two different models. It's going to come in a either a polymer model or a metal model. And I thought that was really cool, just because for some people they prefer the metal versus the polymer. Um, if I remember correctly, now this is me going off memory, which is pretty shitty. So don't hold me or Celtic to it. Uh, I think the polymer. P15 was going to be around the 550 range, and you're looking about an extra 150 to 200 bucks for the metal version. Now, I'll say one thing that I'm not a huge fan of, just because of the fact I can see this failing, is that this does have a grip safety very similar to a 1911 or an XD. Uh, and then also, I believe it did come with a trigger safety, some sort of additional safety. Now, uh, there are a ways that you can disengage this uh, on the firearm if you don't want to have those additional safeties, which to me, I can just see failing. 
you know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it. So I'm just going to flat out say that. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about that was at SHOT Show uh, was the, um, a, the, the Aero Precision uh, bolt gun. Now, the Aero Precision bolt gun, I'm telling you, it looks sexy. Uh, it was very... Um, what am I trying to say? It was very... It was it was very sexy, but and again this is this is me going off of memory. Uh, the price, man, the price was just fucking out of this world. And now when you think of Aero Precision, you think quality products, but you also think of you know being affordable. This bitch was like almost three thousand dollars. And there, you know, when he, the the rep was talking to me, he was like, "Yeah, we're trying to compete against this model, this model, and that model." And I'm like, yeah, but fucking those models have been known to be just absolute, you know, killers in PRS matches. And your guys are just now fucking hitting the 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 market, you know. And not only that, like, and fucking Arrows QC has not been that fucking great as of late. So what makes them think that they can start charging for those prices uh, for an untested firearm uh, when your quality control is starting to kind of fucking dip? I don't understand it. So, uh, the next thing, uh, Valhalla Tactical. Now, this isn't big. Now, we're starting to kind of get into not big stuff. Uh, but Valhalla Tactical, man, those dudes were super fucking cool. Uh, great to talk to. They had some some kind of cool shit. Um, I've heard of them before. And, uh, like I said, man, they were cool folks. They're coming out with some new products. They have a Otis switch and a SOL body. Uh, now the Otis switch was what I thought was really cool. And basically it is something, uh, it's their own kind of flashlight with a tail switch. Uh, if you want the specific tail switch and it basically looks like, um, a joystick sticking out of it. Uh, but to activate your light, all you have to do is just kind of grip it a little bit and and move the the tail switch, and it activates the light. No need for pressure switches, no need for cords wrapped around or anything like that. Uh, it was pretty cool. And uh, all this, uh, you're looking at the uh, the Oda and the SOL are available now for pre-order, only 80 bucks. That's not honestly that bad. That, that's a pretty good deal. Honestly, uh, the next thing they got is the new low profile optic mount. Uh, this thing looked pretty sweet, looks super sturdy. Uh, QDA, uh, easy, no tools required. Uh, it's almost got like just a little button for it. Uh, it comes with uh, the pattern of RMR 407, 507, Delta Pro, uh, 509, the T1s, Acros, bunch of stuff. Uh, and you're only looking at a hundred dollars, you know, not out of the ballpark price but still really nice uh, and then something else that they're coming up with uh, Valhalla Tactical CCW jacket now this thing was pretty sweet uh, it, you know kind of going along the line of god my fucking dogs sorry uh, anyway so this uh, CCW jacket uh, was really cool and what's nice about it is that it has a special flap uh, for like your pockets if you're going to draw appendix or you know even though he's talking about how it was mainly for appendix but I also just seeing the design of it looks like you could still care you know use it if you carry like the two to three o'clock position um, you know you're looking uh, you know it just it's got two little buttons and you yank up and it releases and it's like a, a quick draw 
It's really cool. Uh, they are still figuring out the cost for it, but I imagine it's not going to be too terribly bad. Uh, so, and like I said, Valhalla Tactical, super cool guys. Uh, somebody else I asked to reach out to, to come on to the show. Uh, something else. Let's see. New right. And the X. Now we'll say this one thing right here. So uh, I did see XS Sites. Uh, they have this new. Um, 3D printed block to use for uh, AR-10 lower fitment. That was really cool. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, uh, you know, building guns. I haven't built an AR-10 yet. Um, something else. Uh, Palmetto State is showing off their 5.7 rock pistol. Uh, so it's going to be a pistol chambered in uh, 5.7. That's pretty neat. I'm curious. Now I, I I'm curious, but. How long did it take them to, to come out with the dagger? And then not only that, after the dagger was released, it was out of stock for months. Uh, you know, and they were doing this because they're they're trying to fulfill their their AR orders. You know, once they actually come out with this thing, are they actually going to, uh, you know, have uh, you know actual fulfillment for it? That kind of stuff. And I went by Palmetto State Armory's uh, booth. I did not see this. Uh, I this is something that I end up seeing later on. Uh, so I really wish I'd have seen it, but I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, Hollow Sun comes out with a new solar-powered uh, micro red dot, uh, and this is pretty neat. It is solar-powered, but what's cool about it is instead of, and I, and I got several Hollow Sun, uh, like 407, 507s, but what's cool about it is the usually your solar power is on top of the site, uh, but this one is towards the rear to where like your rear sight would be. Uh, this new one, it's going to be, let me see if I can see it. When is it going to be released? And this one also requires no external battery. Uh, it's a nice low pro uh, sight as well. Uh, the pictures of it are really cool. Don't see. It's considered available later this year. Uh, MSRP is going to be around 399 to $429. Uh, yep, talked about that. Um, something else that I thought was really cool. Uh, Hornady's new Rapid Safe. Uh, you know, Hornady makes really good stuff. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Hornady. And the uh, Rapid Safe is nice because it uses their RFID technology, but it also has a uh, combination lock to it. And it's also pretty spacey. And it's got a lot of neat accessories inside, like a lot of uh, kind of. Uh, not necessarily like M-Lock, but basically like uh, just adjustable things on the inside. Uh, it's got uh, Wi-Fi features uh, for lock status via the Hornady app. Um, it's heavy-duty tamper-proof, pre-drilled mounted holes, mounting holes. Uh, it's got a padded floor mat inside. Uh, comes with AC power supply, uh, four programmable RFID tags, and gun racks. It's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, it's I, I didn't get a price of it. Yeah, MSRP is like a thousand dollars, and for like a thousand dollars, I'd rather have like a, a larger gun safe. Um, but you know, because this one only held like you know less than like around twenty four less guns. Um, but it was really neat. If this was like more in like the six or seven hundred dollar price range, that would be more in my kind of deal. But it was really nice. It was really cool. Uh, something else that came out, uh, RF-22 from Medical Farms. Uh, new 22. 
pretty cool looking. Uh, looks kind of similar to a 1022 um, in design. It's got a box magazine, uh, and it is you know pretty sweet. Always can use new 22s, heavy barrel. Uh, be good for like steel matches if you're into that type of thing. And it's not going to break the bank. Like I said, uh, it uses. Um, it's going to be 650 is the MSRP. Uh, some other stuff I saw that wanted to mention. Uh, let's see what we can find going into my next window. Sorry for the bad commentary. Uh, saw some cool gray man tactical shit there. Tactiload. That's one I want to talk about. So Tactiload is a shotgun stock. And now a lot of people kind of poo-poo on shotguns. But to me, shotguns still have a place in the self-defense world. Um, this is a gun stock. They offer it in Mo both Mossberg and Remington uh, fitments. But what's neat about it is that it holds five rounds inside the shotgun stock. And it's spring-loaded. And I looked at it and I was like, man, that seems kind of cool. And I went up there, talked to the dude, uh, he, you know, said, hey, man, try it out. Uh, so I tried it out just to practice reloading the tube uh, from underneath the stock and just the just the smooth economy of motion from moving from the shotgun stock to the shotgun. It was very smooth. I really liked it, and it's really not all that bad. You're looking at, I think it's like $120, $130. So $130 for this new shotgun stock. It's got a nice uh, pad to it, so it's not going to break off your fucking arm. Uh, man, it was just super fucking smooth. Something else that I saw there that was really cool uh, is this new this company. I haven't heard of them before, but they're called Breakthrough Clean Technologies. So what they are is basically a gun cleaning company, and uh, their big seller is the non-toxic smelling cleaning products that they have. Uh, it's just as strong as CLP, but it doesn't smell. And now if you're like me, like sometimes I just want to fucking like watch whatever movie I'm want to watch and, and clean my gun. Uh, but you know, I don't want like the smell to get in there. Like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the kids or somebody else will be bitching about the smell. I don't want it to spill on me. And then I got that smell on me all day, uh, that kind of stuff. And then people asking, what's that smell? Well, I fucking was cleaning my gun earlier and, and spilled some shit on me. There's practically odorless. I mean, there's no odor to it. I mean, like you could barely smell just a little bit of something, but it doesn't doesn't have that strong, you know, CLP smell to it. And something else that was really, really fucking cool from these people uh, is they have a carbon fiber cleaning rod. Uh, and, th and this is like all of their cleaning rods, not carbon fiber, but what's really nice about their cleaning rods is they have ball bearings inside the rod itself. And that thing was, it's just an absolute solid piece of, of metal. Uh, you got the ball bearings inside for the cleaning rod to spin. Uh, and you got, of course, the carbon fiber, if you wanted to go that route, uh, is very strong. And it was smooth. And the best thing about it, depending on the gauge that you have, it's only going to cost you between $30 and $50 for a clean rod. Now, and they have cleaning kits that come with this uh, that you can get a bunch of other shit that is, you know, you're not just spending that much for a cleaning rod. But I'm telling you, 
I'm gonna order one of these. There's a whole bunch of other shit from them. I'm gonna. I got some sample like little, you know, little like ketchup packets, some little sample packets from them uh, for their cleaning products, uh, including their carbon rod and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm gonna, gonna probably order close to around two hundred dollars from them just because I saw their stuff. I was like, man, I really fucking like it. I'm gonna order me some. Same thing with that tactical load shotgun stock. I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna be ordering that for myself. You know, I'm not going to these companies and begging for shit. Uh, you know, the, this breakthrough clean technologies, the Tactilode guy, uh, was really cool people. Uh, I really like their stuff. I reached out to him, gave him my stuff, and hopefully we'll have him on the podcast. True. Uh, and I'm trying to think. Uh, there was another company there. Uh, I, gosh, I'm going to have to go back and look through uh, and see. Um, what uh, what it was, but uh, hoping to have them on. They have a uh, Glock ish, you know. Basically, it's a, it's a Gen three Glock, uh, but also they are you know getting it to where it can take uh, Gen five parts as well. Um, but they it's a metal frame uh, with replacement grip hand you know panels, and it's not going to break the back. You know, like Zevtech, you know, is one of the more famous ones that make a Glock ish, you know, steel or metal frame pistol, um, but you know you're looking at like around eleven or twelve hundred dollars. These people, MSRP is like around seven hundred dollars. I think it was actually less. Um, cool stuff, man. I'm I'm hoping to uh, to have them on. Another thing, uh, this cool AR takedown tool, ARTT, uh, get sprung is their motto. This thing was really fucking cool. Um, it's only, it was only $35, but I got a coupon code from SHOT Show that brought it down to like $22. Um, and what this is, like I said, I, I haven't built any AR-10s, but I've, I've built, you know, close to a dozen, maybe more AR-15s and, you know, always swapping out parts. So I'm always having to take out like, you know, cotter pins and shit, not cotter pins, fucking, uh, roll pins. I don't know where cotter pins came from. What the shit, um, taking out roll pins and stuff like that. And, um, you know, always having to like bang shit. And then, you know, I don't have, I, I love real Avid, but I don't have their, their AR 15 armors, uh, kit. Uh, that's another place that I saw at shot show that just was amazing. Um, but, uh, so, uh, this thing is, it's a spring. Literally it's got two ends, uh, with two different end, you know, size pins. It's made out of brass, so it's not going to completely fuck up your gun. Uh, and it's a spring that you pull, let go, and it shoots that roll pin out. So you ain't got to fucking worry about it. You ain't got to worry about, you know, hammering with a, a punch and all that kind of stuff. Really fucking cool. I already ordered that one. Uh, can't wait to try it on some ARs. Um, so gosh, I know there's more shit. I'm going to go through more of my stuff. Uh, really wanted to kind of like, you know, not just inundate you with, with a bunch of stuff. So those were some of the cool things, the coolest things that I saw. Um, Foxtrot Mike, like I said, has a great PC, PCC coming out. Um, and like I said, I think that's about it. Something else, just go ahead and announce uh, on the podcast as well. Uh, like I went as law enforcement, and a big reason why I went as law enforcement to SHOT Show is you can bring your spouse with you. Um, I was engaged, uh, but decided to, to get married in Vegas, so we did it Vegas style. Uh, you know, that was extremely fun. Uh, also, uh, very memorable. I'm telling you, man, I just had a blast, uh, fucking going there. And, uh, like I said, man, 
just I appreciate all you guys' support. Uh, really looking forward to what's going to happen in 2022. Some of these guests we're going to have on. I uh, got a new holster coming in from a uh, new holster company that is going to ask for my review for it. Uh, not replacing our, our good friend Cliff because Cliff still makes the best Kydex holsters. Uh, these people make uh, very fine leather holsters. And again, you know, it's like I told them a lot of people shit on leather holsters. Um, but, you know, I think there's a time and place for everything. Uh, and not only that, like, you know, uh, if I go to, uh, like a wedding, I'm still going to carry a fucking gun on me. Uh, you know, but do I want to like have this, you know, cool, like, you know, Kydex looking holster? Um, you know, it, I'm not, you know, got to have it tucked in, you know, tucked in shirt, uh, but I can easily cover a gun with a blazer. That's where like a leather holster is great for that kind of stuff, you know, still makes it look nice, uh, you know, with your, you know, your dress clothes, that kind of stuff. So looking forward to what's 2022 is going to come. I'm a married man now. Uh, I'm married again. I can't believe I I did it again. I told myself I was never going to do it again, but Fuck, here we are, 2022. Like I said, never know what it's going to bring us. Uh, So I'm looking forward to what 2022 is going to bring, not only just for me, but for the content for 2A Lifestyle. And with that, let's go ahead and start getting on into the gun culture segment. Well, we're in the gun culture segment, and we're going to be talking about a very... uh, I personally love this movie when it first came out. Uh, It is not really held up well to the test of time. Uh, But if you are uh, kind of a... I I really liked reading. I really liked stories. Um, Charlemagne, the the stories of Charlemagne in Africa, uh, and, you know, different stuff. I absolutely loved those kind of stories. So, uh, my s- movie that I'm going to be talking about, I almost said, you know, story, but my movie that I'm talking about is the, uh, 2003 film, the league of extraordinary gentlemen. And if you aren't familiar with this movie, it is a really good movie. Like I said, um, it didn't really hold up well to the test of time. It had Sean Connery in it, which was badass to me. Still badass to me. Sean Connery's fucking cool. In my opinion. Uh, it's about, you know, Dracula, um, uh, uh, like a Huckleberry Finn type character, uh, Captain uh, Nimoy from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, um, you know Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, the Invisible Man, and Dorian from uh, uh, Dorian's Dorian Gray's portrait or whatever that story's called. Anyway, it's all kind of like mashed in together, and it takes place like in eighteen ninety nine to try and prevent a world war. Uh, it's a really cool movie. I, I think it's at least worth a watch if you've never watched it. Uh, if you got kids that maybe, you know, they have one of these books as their school assignment, you might want to let them watch this to maybe get a little bit more interested in what happens in, in the book. Even though these books have absolutely, you know, the books have absolutely nothing to do with, like, what happens in the story and that kind of shit. Um, but it's available on Hulu. Uh, if you have a Hulu subscription, uh, check it out. You know, you do have to have the watch the commercials because I think it's actually, like, FXX on Hulu or whatever the fuck it is. But they also have, you know, those cool, you know, firearms that 
when it started to become modern firearm type things in there. So, uh, talk about some of the guns in there. Not a whole lot of cool flashy guns, but again, some cool historical guns. They had a, a Webley Green, uh, which is you know the very famous. Uh, you know, it's it's very synonymous for uh, Britain firearms in you know the turn of the century kind of. Uh, you know, deal. They also had a uh, Tarkarav uh, TT33 pistol, which I thought was you know kind of interesting because I don't think the Tarkarav came out uh, in 1899. Um, but it was a uh, based off of a Tarkarav, I should say. So uh, Captain uh, Nemo, uh, did I say? I don't know, I can't remember what I said. Did I say Leonard Nimoy? I probably think I fucking did. Anyway, uh, Captain Nemo uh, from like the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, carried a like a little flash gun or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, but it was based off of the the T the Tucker F. So uh, you also had uh, the Mauser C ninety six. Man, of course the broom handle gun. This thing is uh, you know just fucking cool looking. Uh, you also had a Luger P O eight artillery gun, uh, which is what Dorian Gray used in some of his scenes. You also said the Colt New Army 18 Winchester model 1873 uh, Special Agent Tom Sawyer, uh, you know, used these dual wielded them. Uh, you had a Sten MK2, which again uh, was part of Captain Nimoy's crew. Uh, you know, in Captain Nimoy and his crew and everything is supposed to be like way more ahead of its time. Uh, so again, like the Sten Mark II wasn't available in 1899, uh, but what they were shooting was very futuristic. It looked you know, something from like, seriously, like an, you would think an HG Wells or, or whatever the fuck it may be type, uh, scenario, you just very futuristic looking. Uh, you had a Thompson submachine gun. Again, these didn't come around this time, but again, this was, and, and the, the premise to this, I should say, I'm sorry. Uh, this movie was like, you know, they got to stop the arms race and all these people were trying to develop arms to sell to the European powers so that way, you know, they can make a fortune off of World War. So, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, this was, you know, carted around by one of the, uh, the bad guys. Uh, there was an Uzi as well. Um, you also had double barrel shotgun. Uh, you had a Lee Enfield MK1, uh, which is, you know, it's a pretty sweet gun. You had a, a double barrel express Matilda rifle, which was uh, Sean Connery's. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, you see it uh, between the have like about 28 to 30 inches in length. Basically a big-ass fucking elephant gun type deal. Uh, you also had a Winchester Model 1873, which is, of course, what Special Agent Tom Sawyer brought with him uh, when he went to go help the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, and then, of course, you had an AK rifle. Again, this is, uh, you know, and it shows, shows uh, you know, what the rifle looked like in the movie. Basically, they just made it look like a lot older and clunkier and shit. Uh, I just think that's kind of funny. But anyway, this is available out on Hulu. I highly recommend that you go see it. It's a very fun movie. Uh, and let's go ahead and start wrapping the show up. All 
right, ladies and gentlemen, I greatly appreciate you listening in to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I'll be looking forward to the preview to the Patreon episode next week. I am looking forward to doing that one. Uh, like I said, the first one, I think we're going to be talking about 3D printing. Uh, was fucking just chugging along right with it. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, went to Connecticut, went to SHOT Show, came back, was going to start printing some things and started having some issues. So, uh, like I said, kind of got a learning process, maybe help you guys out on what you're doing uh, so maybe you don't make the same mistakes I did. Anyway, so, yeah, be looking out for that. If you can, hit that subscribe button. That way you can keep up with new episodes whenever they're coming out. Also, leave us a review. If you leave us a review, Spotify or iTunes, uh, and you ship us, you know, or not ship us, fuck, uh, if you screenshot it, send it to us. Uh, when it hits, we will ask for your stuff. We'll send you out some swag. Also, go ahead and check out our social media everywhere we're at, to a lifestyle, except on Instagram. It's two spelled out, T-W-O, a lifestyle. Everywhere else, it's the number two. If you like this show and you are interested in our Patreon episodes, check out our Patreon. Uh, anything you guys give us, it goes directly into this podcast. Like I said, new podcast coming out. We should have uh, new editing software, uh, new recording software. Should be a little bit more, a little bit more professional, a little, little bit better. So I'm trying to make sure that you guys get the best, you know, bang for your buck that you can. Uh, and until then, keep on enjoying that two-way lifestyle. Sit stubborn in your stomach like you keep these stones and yeah.